Today on Crossroads in Culture, we're going to be looking at how do we find calm in the midst of chaos? That's a great question. It's even greater when we can discover the answer to that in God's Word, because we live in a world, in a culture where chaos seems to be everywhere, even in your own personal life. The storms may be raging right now, and you feel as though it's just chaos. How do you find calm in the midst of chaos? We're going to be looking at that today on Crossroads in Culture. Hey guys, thanks for joining me on Crossroads and Culture, where life, ministry, and culture meet. Well, it's been a minute since uh, the last podcast that I recorded. I took some time off, a little bit of a break, and now I am ready to go. Thankful for the opportunity to be able to share with you what God has been speaking to me. And today, we're going to be talking about, looking at, how do we find calm in the midst of the chaos. I, I know in my life, uh, and I'm sure in your life as well, we find ourselves in the midst of a chaotic culture and even personal chaos, perhaps. Maybe you've had some issues with your job uh, because of the economy and what's been taking place. Uh, maybe you're still um, trying to recover from the pandemic with COVID and your work situation and financially, it has just been devastating for you. Uh, and it has thrown things into chaos. Maybe there are just some personal things you're struggling with um, that has caused chaos in your heart, and there's just restlessness in your soul. Um, and everything that's going on around us in culture, it just leaves our head spinning. We don't know what to do, and it just seems like everything is just out of control. How do we find calm in the midst of all the chaos? Well, as always, I think it is best for us to look to God's Word to see what He has to say about things, because God knows how to bring calm in the midst of our chaos. There's one story in the Bible in particular in Matthew chapter 8, so if you have your Bible with you, you could open that up to Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 23 through verse 27. If you're driving, obviously don't try to, to do this. I will read this text to you. But if you're at home or at a place where you can open your Bible just to look at the text, I think it's always good to look at God's Word, just to, to meditate on it, to think on it. Um, so if you have your Bible, you can open up and uh, open that up and look at that. But this story is um, when Jesus is kind of in the midst of his ministry, he is, uh, he's healing a lot of people. He's casting out demons. Great crowds are following him. And he is about to, to go from Capernaum over into uh, the gatherings where you hear about the, the demoniacs that are, are cured um, because they are possessed by, by demons. And so he is coming down from a mountain um, and the crowds are following him. He's healed a, a man who has had leprosy. He heals a servant of a centurion. Um, Peter's mother-in-law is sick, brings healing to her, cast out demons. And then there are people who are following him and are asking, hey, we want to follow you. And Jesus says, look, if you're going to follow me, there is a cost to following me, which is kind of a another thing that is important in this text, that if you're, if you're going to follow Jesus, there's a price that you pay. He said, if, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow him. And he tells these guys who say, hey, we'll follow you. To one, he says, um, 
you know what? If you're going to follow me, you just need to know that I have nowhere to lay my head. I mean, this is, I'm traveling. This is not going to be a journey of comfort. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to cost. Um, so just know that another guy came to him and said, Hey, I'm going to follow you, but let me first go and bury my father. Now, when you hear that, you think, well, that's a, that seems a reasonable request, right? Well, more than likely in that culture, oftentimes if, if a family member was sick, they would, they would stay with them obviously until they passed away caring for them. And oftentimes what they would use is this phrase, let me go bury my father, even though his father may not have been dead. Um, he wanted to stay with him because his death was coming soon, it seems. And so he wanted to care for his father, wanted to make sure the funeral arrangements were taken care of. Uh, And that seems like a very reasonable request. But what Jesus said was something that's really hard. And that is, let the dead bury their own dead. Um, But as for you, follow me. You come follow me. And basically what that means is that Jesus takes priority above everything, everything. God cares for our family members absolutely but he makes the statement that if you're going to follow him, it is costly. Um, so now he, he, he finds himself getting into a boat, and he's going to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee over into the region of the Gadarenes, where, again, he's going to meet these demon-possessed uh, individuals. But, but prior to getting to the shoreline, he is on the sea, and here's what the text reads in, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through verse 27. It says, And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. So this wasn't like a light shower or just a, a light thunderstorm. This was a great storm on the sea. So that the boat being swamped by the waves, but he, Jesus, was asleep. And they talking about his disciples who were with him in the boat, went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing, we're dying here. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. Notice the contrast between a great storm and now there is great calm. In verse 27, it says, and the men marveled saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now understand the disciples were still, they were watching Jesus. They saw him perform miracles. But I find it interesting that Matthew records this. What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? You know, these disciples really didn't fully grasp all that was going on as they walked with Jesus until after Jesus' death and his resurrection, really. And so, so they're in this boat with Jesus. This great storm comes up on the Sea of Galilee. Now, my wife and I have had the privilege of being able to go to Israel, uh, and it was a trip of a lifetime. We would love to go back someday again, uh, God willing, um, because it's just so much to take in. I mean, it's like drinking from a, a fire hydrant. There's just so much. You're overwhelmed in knowing that Jesus walked those streets, those roads, looked at the same shorelines. And we actually got to take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, and it was incredible. And the Sea of Galilee is surrounded um, by kind of hills and mountainous region a little bit. And storms can come up quickly from um, those mountain ranges uh, and those hills. And as it comes up on the Sea of Galilee, it can it can cause those waves just to be to be massive. And so that's this great storm that Jesus, that Matthew's referring to in this text. And it was so great that the disciples, now remember some of these disciples have been fishermen, so they're used to being out on the Sea of Galilee. These guys are used to fishing and storms, and apparently the storm was so great 
that it scared them. I mean, they they thought they were going to die. That so so that's kind of the level of their fear here. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. Now it makes sense because he's exhausted. He's worn out. Um, I don't know if you have seen the series called The Chosen. If you haven't, you you guys need to watch this. Uh, you can download the app uh, at the app on the App Store. It is free for you to be able to watch these. You can go back and watch season one, which has eight episodes. They're now in the midst of season two. I think they're like on the fifth episode. But there's one episode. I think it's on season two, where Jesus is going out and he's he spent all day teaching and healing. Uh, those who were sick, those who were demon-possessed, those who were lame, those who were blind. And it shows the disciples sitting around a fire, and they're arguing with one another. And Jesus comes walking up. You see it. It's dark, but he comes walking up, and it's almost as though he is staggering because he is weary. He is exhausted. And as he's walking into the place where he's going to lay down, this, this dwelling, this tent that he has, you see he's got blood on him because of people who had come with diseases and with illnesses and those who have were wounded and and you see him dirty and just his hair dis- disheveled he is just exhausted and he's trying to take off his sandals and you see Mary his mother going over and caring for Jesus her son and it's just this moment where you realize and Jesus left everything out there. He he poured himself himself out fully. There's a lesson in that in and of itself. But there, there's a point I'm getting at is that Jesus is asleep in this boat. He's been exhausted from the ministry that he's been doing. And even in the midst of this great storm, he is sleeping in peace. His disciples come to him and say, Jesus, you got to get up because we are dying and he said, where is your faith? You're with the Savior, right? When Jesus is in our midst, there is calm. And so that's kind of a point he's making there. And then Jesus gets up, he rebukes the winds, he rebukes the sea, and then all of a sudden, calm happened. Imagine a, a, an ocean, a sea that is just turbulent, suddenly becoming placid. It is just still, like glass. And when they saw this, it says they marveled. That's a strong word, that they were just astonished. They were amazed. They were speechless. And they said, "What is? who is this guy? <laughs> who is this guy? Now, I want to draw just a couple things from this and a couple of questions as well that it raises. And, and the first thing I want to, I want to share with you is, is this, that we have nothing to fear. Regardless of the circumstances we're in, the chaos that's around us, the chaos that we're in the midst of, we have nothing to fear when we walk where God has led us. You see, Jesus led these guys uh, into the boat. It says in verse 23, he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. That, that Jesus led them into this boat. He knew what was going to be happening. He knew what was coming up. But here's what we need to know. We have nothing to fear when we walk where God has led us. So that, that really raises a couple of questions regarding where you are personally right now in your own uh, circumstances, experience, life situations, your marriage, your job situation, relationships, financial stuff, uh, whatever it may be. It, it really it raises two questions. The first one is this. Has Jesus led me here? 
where I am currently, has Jesus led, has, has he led me here? Now, here's why I believe asking that question and answering it is so important. Because when you know that Jesus is leading, you can trust that he will not lead you where he doesn't stay or sustain you. See, that is the that is the goodness of Jesus. He is our good shepherd. He leads us. I love what David writes. And if there's anyone who knows the heart and mind and the work of a shepherd, it would be David. I mean, he spent years out in the sheep fields, right? And so he writes about this in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not want. I have need of nothing. You, you lead me beside still waters. You make me lie down in green pastures. You restore my soul. He goes on and says that, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I fear no evil because you are with me. So just know that as Jesus being your shepherd, that as he's leading you, if you're letting him lead you, you can trust that he's not going to lead you where he doesn't stay or sustain. But oftentimes what happens is we don't let him lead. We do our own thing. We're like those sheep that Isaiah speaks of, that we're like sheep that go astray. We're, we're like sheep that the great hymn uh, speaks of when we sing, um, that we're prone to wander Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We are. We're prone to wander, and we wander off from our shepherd. And when we wander off from our shepherd, then we can't blame him. We can't blame him for the consequences of our, of our wandering. We find ourselves in ditches, or we find ourselves going over cliffs. We find ourselves heading into, into the storm, into the chaos, but when you know that Jesus is leading, when you're following him and you're seeking to follow him as you're obeying his word, as you're listening to his spirit, when you get this prompting of his spirit to say, this is not the way to go, this is not right, this is not where I'm leading you, when you know that Jesus is leading you, here's what you can trust. You can trust that he will not lead you where he doesn't stay. He is with you. He's the shepherd. Shepherd, a good shepherd doesn't leave his sheep, and he will sustain you in the midst of that. Here's, here's the other thing that you need to know, that Jesus doesn't always lead us through the calm waters, but he's always our calm in the midst of the chaos, right? So in Christ, there is rest even in the midst of the most turbulent moments. Maybe you're going through a difficult time in your marriage right now, and it is turbulent. You need to rest assured that Jesus is with you in the midst of this, and that you need to let him lead you in that difficult time in your marriage. It may not be what you want, but it's always what is best. It's always going to be for his glory, but you and I also benefit from that because we're his children if you're a follower of Jesus. So he doesn't always lead us through the calm waters. Maybe you're going through a financial situation right now. It's difficult. And I can relate to this because even I have found myself even recently um, um, being laid off because of a lack of funds, a lack of financial um, um, provision in that. And so I'm like, God, what are you doing? What, what are you, what, what is it that you're doing? And God says, look, your job was never your provision. I'm your provision. Your job was just a conduit. And I've got many different ways I can provide for you, but just know that I am your provider and I will provide you manna every single day. And the truth has been that he has. It has not been calm. It has been choppy. It's been turbulent. There have been moments where I've, been, I've asked God, what are you doing? There have been moments I think, God, I can do this. I can handle this. I can, I, can, I, can, I can find something that will provide for me. 
And the reality is that God's drawn me back and said, you do that, you're going to find yourself in the midst of even more turbulent waters. Jesus doesn't always lead us through calm waters, but he's always our calm in the midst of the chaos. That's, that's why David wrote again in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And, and even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, notice that David didn't leave that out. He didn't say, you know what? Um, all of life is going to be green pastures. What David was saying was, you're going to experience the valleys of the shadow of death. Every, and they're going to come in different forms. It may be physical illness. It may be that you're experiencing, um, you're going through cancer treatment right now. Maybe you've been given a diagnosis that doesn't look good. Uh, maybe you're recovering from COVID. Maybe you had a really um, bad case of that and you're still recovering from that. Uh, maybe, maybe you're going through, as I said earlier, financial situation. You just don't know how you're going to make it. You don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Maybe you're going through a difficult time in your marriage. Maybe you're having a hard time with your children right now. Uh, maybe you have a prodigal who's wandering and is just breaking your heart. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Maybe you're struggling with a lot of insecurities, doubts. Maybe there's a struggle that's, uh, and that's going on with you and your faith. You're having a hard time understanding what's happening in our culture, what's happening in our nation. What's ha- I mean, there's just a lot of things maybe that are going on that you, that, that's happening right now, and they feel like the valley of the shadow of death. But here's what I know to be true. David says that, that even though we walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, in other words, we're going to walk through them, we don't have to fear because, number one, we're going through the valley. We're not stuck in it. The turbulent waters, the storms don't last forever. But, but we go through the valley. And here's the best part, is that our shepherd, Jesus, is with us. So even though he doesn't always lead us through calm waters, he always is our calm in the midst of chaos. And that's where you have to just remember to speak truth to yourself, to believe you. Because Satan is going to come and he's going to say, where's God? I mean, where is your God? I mean, look at your life right now. It is in ruins. I mean, you... You are. You have no job. You have no income. You have. You know your marriage is a wreck. Your kids are just doing whatever they want to. You have no control over them. Uh, I mean, look. Look at what's going on in your own personal life. I mean, you think God would want to be with you? You think God wants to stay with you? I mean, you're 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 a wreck. You're falling apart. You're trusting God with 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 other situations with with the, your, this country and whatever it may be. Look at what's going on, and the enemy is whispering and not whispering. He's yelling. He is screaming lies into you, and and some of you you're buying it, and it is adding to the storm. And you have to realize that as a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a child of the King. You're a son or a daughter of the King, and He's with you. He is your good father. He's not going to leave you to let you die in the storm. He's there. He's with you. Even though it feels like he's sleeping at times, his presence is more than enough. It's what the psalmist writes, in your presence is fullness of joy. I can have joy and peace knowing that he is present that even though it doesn't seem like he is looking to you, his face is always pointed, pointed to us. His presence is there. And so in Christ, there is rest, even in the midst of the most turbulent 
storms that you're going through, whatever it is. And so you've got to speak truth to yourself. You've got to remind yourself of what God's word says, that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he is close to you, that he is near to the brokenhearted. And so understanding that God would never leave us in the midst of chaos, that he's with us in turbulent storms and in calm waters, that is something to hold on to. So so we don't have anything to fear when we walk where God has led us, but you have to ask the question, has Jesus led me here? And if he's led you there, then you can trust that he's not going to lead you where he doesn't stay or sustain you. And that even though he may lead you through waters that aren't calm, he's always our calm in the midst of the chaos. So that's the first question. Here's the second question. Have I led myself here? I mean, have, have I, am I the one who is leading myself and have I led myself into this situation? Because you know, as well as I do, that we make decisions oftentimes that are not smart, that are not wise, that are not good. And we have regrets over. I mean, I, you, you just, just think about sheep again. They don't make the best decisions, right? They, they don't. Let me give you an example of that. There was a, I think it was back in 2005, it's been some years ago, I read this article, it was in USA Today, um, about um, some sheep uh, and, a sh- and shepherds that were over in Turkey. I think it was in the province of, of Van. And so the story is that there were um, 1,500 sheep that went over a cliff and 450 of these sheep died. So, so what happened was there was a sheep that went to the edge of a cliff and it just, it just jumped off. It just jumped off the cliff. It was a ravine. And this sheep, I guess, thought it could jump the ravine and make it to the other side. Now, I'm not a sheep expert, but, um, I don't think that, you know, sheep are great at broad jumping, right? I don't, I don't think, I mean, you, you wouldn't see them in the, in the sheep Olympics, um, doing the long jump. And they just, I don't think sheep have that kind of, uh, that kind of vertical and that kind of, uh, jumping ability, but obviously this one didn't. And so it went over the cliff. And when it did, the, a sheep behind the sheep was fo- followed. We just went right over. I mean, didn't, I mean, you would think if you were that sheep, you'd be like, well, that didn't go good for, for Bob. So I'm, I'm not going to do that. Nope. This, this sheep just followed the other sheep. And then one after another followed the sheep in front of it. And 450 sheep went over the cliff. I mean, just went over the cliff and and they died, but it didn't stop there. There were 1,100 more sheep that followed and went over the cliff. And fortunately, these sheep didn't die because I know it, it's it's really horrible. It is, but some some ways this is a little bit funny because these 1,100 sheep that fell over the cliff didn't die because the 450 sheep that had that had died before them cushioned the fall. So for those 1,100 sheep, thank goodness that there was some cushioning there, right? So. Um, it just goes to show us that that left to ourselves, we don't make great decisions. In that story, by the way, the shepherds were eating breakfast. They weren't tending their flock, which tells us you need to be really careful about who you listen to when you're in the midst of a storm. You need to, you need to be careful who you listen to even when you're in green pastures. You need to be careful who you listen to because uh, and who, who you follow as the shepherd because there are a lot of shepherds who are just eating breakfast and don't really care about what happens to you. That's a whole other podcast that's coming, by the way. So we don't make good decisions, right? So the second question is, have I led myself here? Um, when you look in Deuteronomy chapter chapter 1, verse, verse 19, you can kind of see what's taking place here when um, the children of Israel decide to do their own thing. They don't want to follow God. They don't want to follow after him. They want to, they want to do their own thing. 
And God reminds them, you rebelled against the commandment of, of God. You murmured in your tents, and you said, because the Lord has hated us, he's brought us out of the land of Egypt to, to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. And they kept asking, where are we, go, where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are greater and taller than us. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we've seen the sons of Anakim there. And then I said to you, so what God tells them, don't be in dread of them, for the Lord your God goes before you. So just remember that he's with us. He himself will fight for you. But what happened was they didn't believe that God was going to go before the, the children of Israel and dispossess the land that was full of giants. Um, they listened to other people. They made dumb decisions. They led themselves into places that God never led them. And as a result of them, many of them died in the wilderness. So maybe the situation you're in right now that's really difficult is, is, is the place that you've led yourself because you've not let Jesus shepherd you. Jesus got in the boat. You decided to go around the lake. You decided to go around the sea, right? Jesus stepped into the boat. You decided to go a different direction. So here, so so have I led myself here? So here's the here's the the statement you can hold on to is don't step into a boat that Jesus Jesus hasn't stepped into first, right? I mean, whatever that boat looks like, the boat of a of a financial decision that's not wise, into the boat of a relationship that's not a good relationship, into the into the boat of of, of a job that God is not wanting you to take. Right? Don't step into a boat Jesus hasn't stepped into first. Because in Matthew 8, 23, it says, and when he got in the boat, the, Jesus, the, the disciples followed him. So, so don't step into a boat that Jesus, Jesus hasn't stepped into first. So have you led yourself where you are right now and what you're experiencing? And some of you would say, absolutely, I have. I, I see it. I, I thought this was going to be a good idea. I thought this was going to be a great job opportunity. I thought this was going to be a great financial decision. You know, we can make money quick off of this. I thought this was going to be a great relationship. Uh, I, I thought this was going to be the best decision, you know, for my child. I thought you know, all of these things. Don't step into a boat Jesus hasn't stepped into first. So here's another question, though. So what do I do if I've led myself here, right, in this marriage, this job the situation, the circumstance. I'm now in this addiction. I know God didn't leave me here. I've led myself here. Now I'm paying the price, the consequences for this. What do I do if I've led myself here? Well, that 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 the answer to that question really is um, it kind of depends. Right? So if if it's a marriage, if you, if you've made a decision to marry someone and you're like, "Man, now I regret this. I don't know if this was the right decision." Here's what you need to know. If it's, if it's a marriage, you should honor the covenant you made, especially if there's no biblical grounds for divorce. God's word says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And when you look at scripture, God's word does permit divorce in the case of sexual immorality. And if a spouse is, is left by an unbelieving spouse, you find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. Um, uh, in, in cases of violence or abuse, I think that those could be grounds for uh, removing yourself from that relationship, absolutely. And I would say right now, if you are in that situation and you're experiencing physical abuse, abuse of any kind, I would encourage you to seek out Christian counseling, not just a psychologist or just any kind of counseling, but Christian biblical counseling. And you need to surround yourself, surround yourself with a network of strong believers who have a high view of God's word and who love you enough to speak truth to you, but also to be there to comfort you and to walk with you through this. 
So, so those are the caveats. That's scripture permits divorce in those cases, but scripture doesn't teach that you should pursue divorce in either of those instances either. There, there may have been cases of sexual immorality, right? Or you may have an unbelieving spouse who doesn't want to stay in the relationship. I think God's heart for marriage is reconciliation, restoration, because at the heart of that is the gospel, right? Is that God has pursued us, even in our brokenness and our wandering, that he has pursued us and he is he has, by the way of the cross, sought to redeem us and restore us, reconcile us to God. And, and so I, I do believe that, that, that you need to seek the wisdom of Christ and godly counsel of other followers of Jesus that you trust, who will speak truth and love. That's vital. Because again, God is the God of redemption and restoration, even when we've made a mess of things. So if it's marriage, if you've led yourself into that situation without really praying about who you're going to marry, and now you're finding yourself and it's a difficult situation, I would say to you that you need to honor the covenant you've made, especially if there are no biblical grounds for divorce and those, those um, statements I made just a few moments ago that, that may be the exception. doesn't mean you need to divorce, but those would be the exception perhaps. Now, if it comes to friendships, dating relationships, engagements, maybe you've entered into some friendships and you've got some friends that, that you've been hanging out with and, and, and those friendships are dishonoring to Christ and they're causing you to compromise your biblical convictions. They're not helping you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're, they're like, uh, like pseudo-shepherds or false shepherds, these ones who are leading you in a way that you don't need to go, then, then you need to part ways with them. You need, to, you need to step back and, and realize you don't need to engage in those friendships, those relationships. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't show Jesus to them, but what it does mean is that it means that you don't hang out with them and let them lead you down destructive paths, right? So maybe you've led yourself into those friendships where you need to let God lead you out of those relationships. And that may be dating relationships. It may be an engagement. Maybe you're engaged and you're thinking, you know what? I just don't know that this is of God. I just don't know. You need to have some, again, Christian biblical counseling, godly people that you can talk with. Um, that's secondary, first and foremost, to seeking what God says in his word and by his spirit, seeking God in prayer, letting the spirit show you those things. Don't just depend upon other people's counsel. First and foremost, you seek um, the counsel of God in his word and by his spirit as you pray. And then, and then also let God use other people to speak into you. Um, but if, if you're in that situation, it is better to end that engagement now than to get married and find yourself in a, in a situation that becomes much, much more difficult. So maybe you've led yourself into that engagement without really seeking God, um, and you know it's not honoring to Christ. You know it's causing you to compromise your biblical convictions. It's, you know it's not healthy. You know it's not right. It's not of God. You need to, you need to part ways. Um, you, need to, you need to get out of that. Maybe it's a job. If it's a job, then here's what I would say to you. Honor your commitment to your job until God opens up another opportunity for you, right? So stay in that because you've made a commitment to that job. Obviously, it's not a covenant, but you've committed to that job. And just stay in that. Be a good worker. In everything you do, do your work uh, heartily as unto God and as a witness. And I would say stay in that job until, until God opens up another opportunity. Pray. Pray that God would open up another opportunity for you. Um, and I would say stay in that unless, there's, again, there's a couple of things here, a couple of caveats. If your job's requiring you to do that which puts you in a position to compromise biblical convictions, or maybe it's, it's unethical or it's illegal, then I would say you need, to, you need to get out of that job. 
You need to get out of that. You need to trust that God is going to provide. Um, or maybe it's a job that's, that's contributing to the neglect of your spouse or your family. Now, I'm not talking about you neglecting your spouse or your family because of your poor choices, but maybe there's a job that's saying, you know what, uh, this job's more important than your spouse or your family. We need you to do this and this and this and this. If it's contributing to the neglect of your spouse or family, then, then I think you need to consider um, getting out of that quickly because the most important ministry you have uh, is to your spouse and to your family. So those are a couple of things. There are probably some other ones I would say that, yeah, you need to get out soon if, if, if this is true. But I would generally say those two things, that you need to go ahead and get out. But if it's a job that you just don't like, you stepped into it without praying about it, and now you're like, man, I hate this job. I don't want to be here anymore. I think I'm just going to quit. What I would say to you is this. Honor your commitment and do the work that you do as unto Jesus. Let your work be an act of worship to God and then pray that God would open up another opportunity. It could be that God's trying to teach you a lesson of contentment, but also of not doing your own thing, but seeking Him and letting Him open the doors. Now, that doesn't mean that when you find a job that God opens the door for and He leads you into, that there's never going to be conflict and there's never going to be difficult days and there aren't going to be Mondays where you're like, I just don't want to go to work. Listen, that's going to happen. Regardless, if you are in the center of God's will and you're doing the job that He's put before you, whether it be... Um, you know, working in a factory or um, in education or the medical field or in ministry, right? I mean, you're going to have those days. It's just that's just how it is. That's life. But but you also will know that I know that God's called me to this. I know God's called me here, and so because of that, I can I can let God shepherd me through these difficult moments, these these turbulent moments, because He's my calm in the midst of the storm, right? So so what do you do if you've led yourself? There well depends on the situation as I've mentioned, but what what I would say is this: you you need to ask this question when you're making decisions, right? A career move, a relationship, financial decisions, whatever it may be. Is Jesus in this? It's a good question to ask. Is Jesus in this? Is this the boat he's stepping into? Because if it is, I'm following him. So if it's yes, then follow. If Jesus says no then you stay with Jesus. You don't go where he doesn't lead you. And if as you're praying, you're not sure what he's saying, then I would say you need to wait. Just keep doing the last thing you know for a fact he told you to do and wait. Impatience oftentimes leads us to doing things that bring about turbulent moments, even more so than just life in general and all of its ups and downs. Impatience can put us in really difficult situations. And so, I mean, I would, I would encourage you to just wait on God, and here's why. Because God is at work in the waiting. He's working in you. He's working on, in the circumstances. He's working on that thing he's leading you to next, that relationship, that job, whatever it may be. He's at work in all of that. So if you're not sure what he's saying, then wait. Just keep doing the last thing you know for a fact he told you to do, and wait. Wait on him. Because he will come through in his perfect timing. So regardless of what chaos you're in right now, personally, uh, family-wise, marriage, job, whatever it may be, just know that we have nothing to fear when we walk where God has led us. So I want to encourage you, let God lead you every step of the way, every day. Come before him in the morning 
and just say, God, as I open your word, would you speak to me? Would you give me direction? God's word is very clear. Proverbs 3, 5, and, the, 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. That's his promise, and you can hold on to that. Let him lead you because you have nothing to fear when you walk where God has led you. I hope that this has encouraged you today, and I hope that uh, you will experience his peace as he leads you. And whatever storm you're in and the chaos that you're in the midst of, that you would remember as a follower of Jesus that he has not left you, that he is with you, and he will sustain you, that he will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. He is with you. Just understand that. Know that. Hold on to that truth and don't buy into the enemy's lies because Jesus is the calm in the midst of our chaos. Hey, thanks so much for joining me on this episode, and I look forward to you joining me next time on Crossroads and Culture. <laughs>